The Temple Commute, Season 4, Episode 3, in which we talk about one of the only vowel sounds with a name in English. Yes, the upside-down E, or the schwa. Let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Oh, I should have gone, uh, Lindsay, or something like that. Uh, uh, Sean, Sean, Sean. Yeah, this, will be my, this will be a great episode for me, because I make that sound all the time for any episode anyway. Yeah. Anyway, okay. uh, welcome to the podcast, folks. Uh, this is the TEFL Commute, a uh, podcast in which we talk about teaching, uh, well, English language teaching. And the topic seems to come up more and more, even though when we first started, we said it might come up. How are you, Lindsay? I'm fine. You kind of botched that introduction. The introduction. No, it's kind of like I'm just. I just. Go, I'm. I'm a bit tired of the fact we try and claim it's not about teaching, but it is about teaching, and it won't come up. It won't come up. Let's just cut to the chase. It's about teaching. It's about teaching. Well, today is about teaching, but it's also about language. And I think today we're uh, focusing on a much loved um, aspect of English, right, Sean? Um, you might be right. Yeah might be right if the number of youtube videos that are uh, abound about this topic of english uh, english pronunciation which is the schwa, the schwa. We, need some, we need some fanfare music there we should do it again like, dun, 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 the, 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 the can't say it now the schwa okay well let's um um uh, I can't get the um out of my head now. Let's bring let, let let's bring in someone else to talk about the Shah Schwa. Yeah, because I, I actually wanted to speak to this person about it because I missed um her talk at Ayatafel, um, which went down very well apparently, and was also the subject, I think, of a webinar. We'll ask her about it when she comes on. It's um Sinead Laplin who did a talk called The Cult of the Schwa. Oh, I'm wondering if I if there should be a Schwa in her last name. Let's ask her. Sinead, are you there? How you doing? How you doing, boys? I'm here. I am indeed. Schwa, my last name. Laffin. Mm -hmm. There Laffin? is indeed. Laffin? There is indeed. Okay. All right. Sinead Laffin. So Schwa on the last one. And we're here to talk about, well, partly about your talk, but also just chat about the Schwa, about mm -hmm. what, what is the obsession with the Schwa. So let's get, let's just, in case there is one of our listeners who is just starting teaching and hasn't come across this yet for whatever reason, Sinead, can you just tell everybody what the schwa is? Absolutely. So um, the schwa in its sort of technical definition um, is referred to as a mid-central vowel uh, produced with the articulators, so the tongue, the teeth, the lips, the jaw, etc., in a neutral or resting position. Okay. How's that? Is it technical enough for you? That sounds that very technical. Yeah. That yeah. Technical. So let's all make it. Let's all try to. Let's each in turn make the schwa sound. Then, right? So I'll go first. So uh, is that it? Uh, 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 right? Uh, 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 uh. So, so what? What might help you is um, Kelly refers to it as the Friday afternoon sound. <laughs> uh, 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 no. Uh. Is it? Isn't it just the teenage boy sound? You know. <laughs> Granting at you, granting at you from behind his laptop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got one of those at home. 
Yeah, or that, that kind of, uh, another colleague of mine used to refer to it as that sound you make, you know, the first sound you make in the morning in your pajamas, hair everywhere. Isn't that know, like a bundle, like, uh... uh... Yeah, maybe not that much, yeah. <laughs> so, See, I think the interesting thing about Shua is the more you try to focus on it, the, the more, like, it's going to escape, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it, it just disappears because you are focusing so hard on, on saying something. Well, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, the word, okay, a, a word with a schwa at the end, let's say America, right? But mm-hmm. if you start, like, like enunciating it, like, so it's America, mm-hmm. then schwa is gone, right? Because if you stress the sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, which is then in classrooms, classrooms, you know, every, you know, time, every time it's up for discussion in classrooms. Yeah. Um, people end up over-enunciating it. Teachers end up over-enunciating it, and so students kind of lose it and don't understand what it is. I came across two beautiful, well, actually three beautiful quotations, which I'll read to you about it, which kind of uh, contrast with this idea of needing a fanfare to introduce it. Um, okay. is all, all from Japanese people, so I don't know, let's take that as our kind of zen for the day. Um, okay. The first one is, Schwa is a modest sound who steps aside to let others shine. Oh, nice. oh I like <laughs> the, that. Yeah. The second is the schwa just is serene and undemanding. The vibration of air through the body to the outside world, the essence of speech itself. So, like, like, like these are schwa haiku. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, wasn't it? Wasn't it Poetry Day this week or something? So then we've oh. got these. These are the entries. That oh, we've no, got. give me more. What's some more? The third. I know, this is like super zen. Okay, if you're if you're feeling yourself, if you want to sit in a, a lotus position for the last one, feel free. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, the in, schwa, I'm there. You there? Yeah. The schwa yeah. is the most elusive, selfless, and yielding vowel of all. Teaching schwa, schwa is almost like teaching nothingness. Uh, oh, you know I, that needs some an- that needs like angels either side of it. I think it could quite happily <laughs> fit into the Facebook Facebook philosophy. Um, I'm interested. It's interesting those two quotes though. They're the first two especially mm-hmm. uh, because they make the schwa sound so easy. But actually, for students, the schwa is really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, incredibly difficult. And I think it's because of that it, that I think when I think about the psychology of what's happening in a stu- in a classroom, I think that students come into a classroom and they're making an effort. And the schwa is the opposite of effort, you know, and especially when you set it up in a classroom and say, okay, today we're going to do something that's really important for speaking English and for understanding English. And you get everybody kind of focused and they're all ready to make an effort. Yet the schwa is the exact opposite of that, you know. So what you're saying is saying then is we shouldn't uh, explicitly teach it. I think that we should explicitly teach it. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate of raising awareness to it, but I think that the way that it's approached is really important. Um, and the, the way that it's it, it kind of weaved into your teaching on a regular basis, that it's just part of every, for me, it's part of everything I teach. Um, it turns up on my board all the time. Um, I have students sort of hunting it out and finding it in texts all the time. And so it's just... It's part of everything that we do um, in the classroom, but it's not this, it's not this uh, separate thing. You know, I think when it becomes separate, um, that's where it becomes over pronounced and then sort of gets lost. You can't kind of grasp it. You can't get a hold of it. When, when you say separate, what do you mean? Because I, I, I mean, 
that's one of the problems with pronunciation. It's not often integrated itself into mm. the lesson. So when you when when you say it's just there in the lesson, it must be focused upon at some point, and therefore it becomes a separate phase of the lesson, doesn't it? It becomes an uh, yeah, it becomes an isolated, I suppose, section of the class. But uh, for me, I want it very much integrated into the course, um, and that when I present a piece of language, I'm presenting the the lexical implications of that language, the grammatical implications of the language, and the phonological implications of that language. And that the pronunciation is often something that's left to the side, it's not dealt with. And then when teachers do start dealing with it, it's like, okay, it's Monday, today we're going to do the schwa. And so it becomes this kind of isolated thing. Oh, I see what I see what you mean. I, yeah. I, uh, is that because, as, as, I, as uh, Lindsay said, you're, you're a bit obsessed with the schwa. I mean, your talk was called The Cult of the Schwa. Yeah. <laughs> and was that what you were talking about, Sinead, about about how to integrate this kind of thing into into uh, pronunciation teaching, or was it was there more to it than that? The cult of the schwa. What else? What else? Yeah, it was very much about that approach to teaching pronunciation. Um, and I, I took the schwa as a start a starting point, but obviously you can't you can't separate the schwa from from connected speech and from other features, um, other features of pronunciation. So of it's a nice sort of se segue into that, you know? Yeah, because the schwa is one of those sounds that, it, that, that, that is for a syllable, but also can replace like word, well, is for words or, or, or is often, uh, you know, features in the weak form of like grammatical words like mm -hmm. had and 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 uh, them, right? I mean, so yeah. the more you string those together, the more you'll start or putting those into unstressed into sentences that's when the schwa starts appearing yeah i mean it's the, it's the smallest sound in the english language um it's the most common sound in the english language i mean if you look at all those common words like we've got our articles we've got our contractions our auxiliary verbs our prepositions and now you start to see how how off how common it is and how how regularly it appears and how much it needs to be dealt with right Actually, I was hoping that the cult of the schwa was going to be like revealing a whole bunch of people who would wear um like like you know hoods and and gowls and capes and walk around going. Uh, uh. I have I have ambitions, Lindsay. I'm not done yet. You know? <laughs> the, 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 uh, maybe that was the start of it. In a couple of years, we'll be going to conferences and they will be there in the corner and they're with their hoods up, going. Uh. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but you have taken you have taken your love of the schwa further than uh, most people though i would say. oh you're going there right sean i know oh, it just going. seems to be an appropriate moment to kind of <laughs> mention it I mean, yeah well because Janae, we saw a, a picture of you um uh that you have uh, a tattoo of a schwa on your arm is that right this is indeed true yes and i meet people and they see it and they think Generally, when I meet people uh, at conferences who recognize what it is, they just presume that it's a sharpied on um, schwa. But no, it is, in fact, a tattoo uh, now, on I, the I inside of my left wrist. See, inside of the left wrist. Now, I didn't know this before, so um, I've just found out. And, and, mm -hmm. and Sean, I don't think, knows the story behind it either. But we're desperate to know. Okay. But before we ask you... I want to guess what it, what, why you have a schwa. Why would, why would somebody have a schwa tattooed on their wrist? Okay, yeah, you want to guess? I'm, I'm <laughs> right. with that. Yeah. I, I, Sean, wait, wait, why don't? Why, what, what, hey, I have a suggestion. What, what, why don't we do this? Sean and I will take turns. We'll take turns guessing, and you tell us hot or cold. Okay, okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, think it's a result of a lost bet uh, with a mispronunciation in a training session. So cold. Arctic. Okay. Arctic. Okay. Okay. I'm going to guess that like you, you had a, a, a boyfriend from a, a country with like a foreign name that had lots of schwas, like, like, uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Jenny. Jenny. You know, like something like that. Like, or like there's some kind of Irish Jenny. Sorry. Kind of no, not. Tundra-esque, sir. Tundra-esque. Cold. Cold as it gets. Okay. Sean. I think I think Sinead struggled to produce the sound, so she puts it there to remind herself on on to to say it when she's speaking properly. That's that's a charming, charmingly insulting guess. <laughs> I so, know. Um, I know. <laughs> as, as a speaker of Hiberno Hiberno English, um, heavily influenced, obviously by the Irish oh, language, I, I, I also features the well. <laughs> <laughs> She never I'm, fails to rise. There you pro go. Proficient right. in the schwa, sir. <laughs> He's cold on that as well. Very cold. Very cold. <laughs> cold, but I made her. I made uh, the, her temperature. Okay. Right. Could, <laughs> it, could it? Could it possibly be to cover up? another tattoo oh a tattoo a thing, or a name or something like that and you just thought i got to get rid of this but it was too expensive so you tattooed a schwa over it um no but i'm kind of trying now i'm looking at it thinking what could possibly fit under it i mean it's a, it's a pretty minimal <laughs> a snake, tattoo like a snake i don't know a snake a little <laughs> dragon something, no, dragon no. Or something like that a little, little thing like a lizard i don't know is it is it the first is it the, is it the first in a series of tattoos you're going to get one every year until you've got the whole of the chart on your body you see uh when i met adrian underhill and he saw the tattoo he suggested the same thing uh, to which i said to him you above all people should know that that's the only one you need okay all right so again i give up we're all too cool what <laughs> The story better be better than some of our guesses. The story, right. Uh, well, I, it kind of has a number of parts, this thing. I, I thought about it for about, um, I thought about the tattoo for a long time because I've always wanted to get a tattoo. Um, but I think that I, I didn't want to be, wanna, didn't want to have one of those kind of generic tattoos. You know, I think if you're going to scar yourself for life, I think it should be something so that like a Chinese lettering that probably yeah. means, you know, bathroom down the, the right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I didn't want to be one of those fake hipster chicks, you know. Okay. Um, and I spent uh, a month in India working with some, uh, working with some trainees and I had these students, um, teaching, English teaching trainees, right? English teaching, yeah, training teachers. And I had, um, I had a bunch of students who were in the classes for practice lessons and I had to teach a demonstration lesson the first day I arrived. And okay. I went into this classroom and these students were sort of 18 to 19. I was told that they were B1 level. Um, when I arrived in the class, they couldn't understand, or at least they seemed not to understand a word I said. And so I very quickly had to recalibrate, throw the lesson out the door and start again. And so I went to a, a kind of a stock lesson that I have in the back of my brain, which is using auxiliary for or weak forms of auxiliary verbs uh, to produce questions on can, can you, j and have you. Yeah. And so I did this lesson and, and by the end of the class, they were all producing wonderful questions and running around the room in a mingle going, can you speak French? Do you like this? Have you got any brothers? Blah, 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 blah. And they were all really engaged and really motivated and, and seemed to really get such a kick out of this weird thing they 
I think they really had never encountered before. Okay. And I felt I felt so proud of myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still wondering. I, I, I'm wondering how we're going to get to the schwa. I, I'm wondering where you get where the part where you go to the Indian tattoo parlor. You know, so I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, I get it. She celebrated the success of the lesson so hard. That, yeah. That, you're talking you to the next day. You're talking to an Irish woman. An Irish <laughs> Irish right. people have the skill of making a long story short and a short story long. So we're getting there, gents. We're getting there. Okay. Um, okay. But basically, I came out of this process feeling like incredibly proud of myself. But then I also sort of walked away thinking about the context that I was in. And about six months later, I realized that maybe you know that maybe the context that I was in this teaching this weak form wasn't the most useful thing for these learners um, because the Shoah isn't massively prevalent in Indian English. So and it was so a it, punishment then? It's kind of a reminder to me oh, right to so. like check yourself before you wreck yourself, I guess, you know, kind of consider the, the context that you're in. Um, it's also a bit of a, an homage to a seven-year kind of apprenticeship with my old boss, the guy that I worked with for seven years called Dave Young, who was a bit of a phonology junkie. And also the third part of this thing is to walk into a classroom and to show students that you have scarred yourself for them and <laughs> their, their education. Um, it's really quite easy to get them to produce sound. Just barely move your arm and it becomes this behaviorist thing. It also saves me an incredible amount of time because I no longer have to write <laughs> of them on my board on a daily basis. So it's kind of it's kind of taking teaching with minimal yeah. minimal resources to the extreme, isn't it? I know yeah. I know I'm going to go to a context that hasn't got it. So you know I'm going to put it on my body and I'll always have it with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> great yeah. stories. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like check yourself before you wreck yourself. So I'm going to put a straw on my arm, and next time I decide, do I have another gin tonic or should I stop now? I'll just I'm, check the straw. I, I am curious. Obviously, obviously, language teachers would probably recognise it, but the, but we, you, Lindsay, kind of when we were. Getting Guessing, Lindsay, oh, we were talking about the idea of of the Chinese symbol, and people must always go to those tattoos. What does it mean? Do you end up having to explain it? Is it become yeah, the, the non-English teaching people? Do you explain? Yeah. It? It's, it's like this burden of oh, what is this? Why do I? Oh no, not again! Kind of, I've got to explain it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's you know, it's a it's a small burden. Uh, it's a small burden. Yeah, I mean, my my nieces and nephews who were kind of two and three and four, kind of the first time they saw it, they're all climbing all over me, going, "Antonide, what is this?" But now they all know what it is. You know, they don't really know what it is, but they see it and they make the noise. And you know, I think so. we should uh, just uh, go away to listen to some Facebook philosophy. But when we come back, I want to know, Sinead, is it the right way round? Strong teachers don't teach content. Google has content. String teaching connects learning in ways that inspire kids to learn more and strive for greatness. Eric Jensen. So, Sinead, is it the right way around? Yes, it is. Well, it is if I'm looking at it. So, like, if oh, I, I, but if you look at it in the mirror, or if you take a photo of it and show it, does it is it the wrong way around? Is that if I if I put my if I put my wrist up and face it out to a classroom, it's the correct way for them looking at it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it would be upside down, wouldn't it? I mean, the way what I was thinking was it's got to be. I mean, it's an upside down e, isn't it? Anyway, really, but. Um, 
for one way it will be an upside upside down e and another way it would be correct wasn't it depending yeah on i mean i have to have my wrist, i have to have my hand up in the air you know what i mean but that was the way i wanted it for a classroom you know down is kind of nonsense so it's oh hey, in, incidentally we've been talking <laughs> about teaching and, and 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 scarring ourselves with the schwa anybody <laughs> have interesting stuff about the schwa first question I know that the schwa is like very popular in English. I know it exists, I think, in German and in Dutch, doesn't it? Germans and Dutch people have the schwa. Um, I don't think Spanish does, actually, or very, not not, not, not much. And, and French, not really either. Italian, no. Mm. Um, anyone know what languages do or don't have the schwa? Um, well, a little bit of my reading seems to suggest that Catalan does. Although you, I don't know how good your Catalan is, Lindsay. Mm, a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Seem to suggest Catalan, Malay. I came across Indonesian, Bulgarian. I mean, Irish has it. Um, okay. I've, I've recently started learning Hungarian. Uh, on, on, unfortunately for me, there are no schwas in Hungarian, okay. but it's it's a lot more widespread than you might kind of think. You know? Yeah. Mm. Do you think Russian has it? Does Russian have a schwa? Uh, I'm. Um, I would don't oh, think so. I wouldn't have thought so. I would have thought so. I would. have I would have said yes. Hang on. I'll, I'll Google it while we're talking. You do some fun facts and I'll do uh, the Google. facts. Well, some other things that I found out about the schwa was that it was invented uh, by uh, for German. Uh, the, the upside down E was used as a symbol, according to my research, uh, by Johann Schmeller in his 1821 grammar of Bavarian German. He was describing the proprieties of a particular dialect and wanted to represent actual pronunciation of how people really talked. So there was that. Um, before people started calling it the schwa in English, which apparently comes from Hebrew, shva, um, uh, which is a different sound. But then uh, 19th century German philologists started using the German spelling schwa. Um, other, other interesting facts. Um, I like this one here. Sinead and I were talking about this before. English has a tendency to delete a syllable with a schwa, but then we got into an argument, didn't we, Sinead, whether or not they're just pronouncing it wrong. So, like, different <laughs> becomes mm -hmm. different. Different. Mm -hmm. Different. <coughs> it could be a schwa, but you could delete it there, right? Different. Yeah. Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. chocolate. Chuck. You you sound like one of the, we were talking about YouTube videos earlier on. You sound like one of the YouTube videos. There's, there's a lot of exercises. That, I, that, I haven't I haven't rehearsed it. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, but but it's almost like um, they they do these they do these YouTube clips where they go, um, okay, listen and tell me where the schwa is, and there is no schwa in the word, and you just think and, and they then they say there is one. I'll I'll, I'll find a clip and uh, we'll put it in. That one is because I did delete the schwa, but there's another sign that they say that English sometimes sticks in an extra shawl where it's not necessary and there's one that i really love which is crazy so we have crazy <laughs> but if you put the schwa in the beginning you have crazy i got another one there uh Sinead, one that you yeah well i mean we've got we've got an irish one uh so irish people are are commonly commented upon slash mocked for saying film um instead of, instead of oh it's the film instead of film yeah and i mean they they say it like the the idea of sticking in that schwa is to is to break up kind of co difficult to say consonant clusters. So and as I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to see if there's an LM consonant cluster in Irish, and I'm going to say there isn't because I can't think of one. And that would be my thinking as to why the schwa has appeared in Hiberno-English. Because as, really? as Irish speakers, we're not used to that mm -mm sound coming together. 
Hmm. Okay. Uh, on masterrussian.net, they say that there is a hang on, there is a there is a toneless pronunciation of the a and the o sounds, but they they, they wouldn't term it as a schwa. Hmm. hmm. I found it's only one site. One site I've looked at. I found another blog which was really great that I got. I ended up going down this rabbit hole for ages. It was a blog called Dialect Blog, and this guy has lots of different interesting articles. Um, so again, he has an article on film. Um, <laughs> yeah, his most popular article is the accents in Downton Abbey. So maybe we'll link to that. Um, the five best Irish accents on film, and so on. So he's got he's got all this stuff. One that he talks a bit about the schwa, um, some really interesting stuff about Jamaican patois. Um, mm -hmm. That he says, um, for example, Jamaican patois um, does not have as many weak vowels. They'll tend to make vowels stronger. I'm not going to dare go there and try to imitate a Jamaican accent. Yeah, it's probably but, best not. <laughs> probably best not. Um, but uh, that Jamaican patois, where Americans and Brits use a schwa sound, patois often assigns these syllables an a, e, e, o, u sound, depending on the context. Um, so. Uh, Anyway, again, I don't want to imitate the accent. But here's one that we could do, a little activity we could do. There was one that he has, which is called um. Sorry, I won't even pronounce it. U-M. You know, when like the pause word? When you're... Oh, I like um. To say. Yeah. So um, he, he, he says there are kind of three ones, and they, they may depend on different accents. And we have the three accents here, because he has there's a British English one, there's a North American one, and then there's an Irish one. And each of these would be represented by U-M in written. But how would you pronounce that word, uh, Sean? U-M. As in, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so he says this mm, could be transported as E-R-M, but it's a, like a, a closer to a, a central mm, yeah? Yeah, I don't think, I think I'd go mm, but, or, or maybe in the old days I'd have probably yeah. got um a little bit more, yeah. depending on my accent. You know, you're a northerner, right? But what about the um, um, I would, uh, but I'm, I don't, for me it would be um, but. What, what, and, and for me it would be much like a higher sound, um, uh, 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 as in up or strut, um. Not, mm. um, uh, what would you should do, Sinead, for you? Uh, um, There's more of an ah, right? Like an ah. Yeah, yeah, it's quite flat, isn't it? Yeah, so it's um, more like, yeah, um, it's like ma'am, am. Yeah, um. <laughs> you're starting to sound more Irish by the second, Lindsay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. so no, I thought that was interesting. That different but is, is that for you? Because I don't know, I mean, to Northern English speaker, this brings in the wedge a little bit, doesn't it? That the, the wedge and the schwa are very similar sounds in Northern. Mm -hmm. uh, Northern to our Northern. listeners and to me to refresh my memory, what a wedge is. So your wedge is your, your umbrella sound. All right, sound. The, um, oh, yeah, the oh, upside down, oh. like the arrow pointing up, the wedge. Exactly, pointing. yeah. The wedgy yeah. sound. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, so that is, that's well, that would be the American um, but that's not what you do, Sean. You do um. Depends um. where I am and who I'm talking to, but um, yeah. <laughs> if you were back home, would you change it? Like I think it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a lot more of an um. Um, if, yeah. um, um, if I'd been surrounded by people speaking in a much heavier northern accent, yeah, I would probably go um. And I'll, check, I'll, I'll check it out next week. Um, 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 um. um, um, um. Yeah. 
Okay, so actually, this is this is interesting because I guess we've been talking for a while now. We, I think we should perhaps swing it round to to uh, to teaching ideas. I mean, Sinead began by talking about integrating it and how it brings into into a lesson. And th- yeah. this activity is actually kind of a bit like that uh, something I would do in class. You know, getting the students to make that sound in a in a quite amusing way, which yeah. uh, uh, with it. So, uh, do you, Sinead, what How do you bring it in, Lindsay, as well? What kind of what kind of exercises do we do you do in class to highlight the schwa? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you said that because I, I, as as I was listening to you having this conversation about the ers and ums, and I was like, this would be a phenomenally interesting thing to do in the classroom, and also something that learners would be, in some ways, a lot more uh, tuned to doing because um, they they tend to hear differences a lot more than we do, oftentimes, you know, and um, because the, the differences sort of clang in their head, they're like, what is that sound that you just made in your accent? So I think. That thing of listening to different uhs and ums could be I, a really interesting thing for students I, I, to do. My, my mind's also thinking how easy this would be just to capture that everybody capturing the sounds on mobile phones and then bringing mm-hmm. it back, and so they can all listen to it, listen to all the whole class doing it, uh, doing the ums. I just, uh, I'm going to try that next time I'm in the class. That, that's mm. that's great. Mm, easy. <laughs> doing mm. I would say, I think uh, to throw, throw one of my favourite activities in the ring, I, I actually like um, doing schwa's after a listening. and Because often you've got the, the tape scripts, transcripts in the back of the, I call them tape scripts, that's old, isn't it? The transcripts in the, in the back of a course book, they tend to go unused. And I really like listening, getting the students to listen over and over to kind of highlight the schwa in a, in in these... Extended um, speech and extended speech things. Yeah, so, you, you know, so after they've done the listening exercise, we then sort of turn it on to it and look at... Uh, and so the students then take their pencil and go through the the transcript, um, trying to mark where the schwa's come up in conversation. Because I think it's a, I think since we've got the conversations there in the course book, we should try and use them. But Whew. I, I think it's I, I think it's dependent on some some pretty good audio because I think a lot of a lot of the audio that's produced for course books. A lot, like I think a lot of that stuff. I've tried to do that with course book audio before, and there's so many schwas missing, and there's so much connected speech. Uh, very true. Missing, very, you know. True, but 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 at the same time, something is better than nothing, and it is a recognition mm. a recognition activity. Is, is mm. even if it's not wholly great, but you're right that it does depend on. But I think what I think um, I think. The, the newer the course book, the more likely you are to have a not this this a, a more natural, shall we say? Uh, very fair, yeah, yeah, very fair. I think that it is it is definitely the quality of that stuff is definitely improving. Um, one, one I mean, I, oh, sorry, sorry one thing I like doing is um, well, I teach Spanish students, so I like to sometimes I get them to pronounce words. We do kind of drilling of words. So I'm not talking about connected speech here or, or extended speech. I'm talking about just word level. And I get them to pronounce it. I say, try to pronounce it in the most Spanglish way possible, the strongest Span- Spanish accent you can. And then I say, now try to pronounce it in the most strong, like English way you can. And, and they start beginning to put, like, to subconsciously putting in the schwa. So they'll sort of like, they'll uh it down, you know, maybe in parts where they shouldn't, but then, then focusing in on that. So asking them to, like, it, exaggerate what they perceive as their own um uh pronunciation and then try to make it more english that's a, that's one that i try to do out of word okay. that's nice that's really nice i think there's a there's um i think robin walker has a nice suggestion for stuff like that which is getting them to close their eyes and imagine their most english sounding voice 
Like, yeah. so like rehearse it in their brains before they even open their mouths and vocalize, you know, um, something that I, uh, do a lot with classrooms with, with students is I, I start every day with, a with a question, every class with a question. And oftentimes I think students are quite tired of that Monday morning. What to do with the weekend question, but yet it is an incredibly high traffic question. Um, but just finding versions of that that are lexically more interesting and more, uh, more varied. So with lower level students, I'll do things like, can you tell us one thing you did yesterday after class? And okay. I'll put it on the board and then I'll get them to do a noticing task and get them to pull out uh, where those schwas are. Yeah. So get them just to focus on the, can you, and the, you did. Yeah. And then I'll just have them mingle, ask each other. Yeah. And then that question will just kind of change over the week, sort of dependent on what they want to do. Sometimes they've done things like, can you tell us three things? So I'll just stop before the number and they'll write in, they'll decide they want to talk about three things. And then I'll just start removing the words. Um, by the end of the week, it's just phonemic script goes to the board. And they're reading it beautifully. And and then maybe the following week, it will just be blanks. And I'll just put in the, the content words. So it'll just be blank, tell us, blank, did yesterday after class. And they'll say it absolutely perfectly. So for me, it's just that rolling in every day. So it's not a big deal. It's just part of what we mm. do every day, you know? No, it makes sense. It's a, it's a nice activity uh, for it. Some good activities there. And of course, we'll... Uh, We'll put uh, uh, one at the end of the podcast as well, I, I would presume. Speaking of which, I think we are coming to the end of the podcast. I was about to say, we must be getting near the end. We've been talking for ages. <laughs> yeah. But it's been really interesting. Sinead, I'd like to thank you uh, on behalf of Temple Commute and our listeners for coming and joining us here to talk about the schwa and share your tattoo story, as well as some really cool activities. So thank you very much for coming. Yeah, Pleasure. thanks, Sinead. Pleasure, gents. Pleasure as always. Uh, um, obviously, keen listeners will note that you have come off the desert island because I think we stranded stranded you yes, a, a couple of series, seasons ago. You left but, me there like eighteen months ago, man. I know, and you're still about to <laughs> must move the island further away. Uh, <laughs> so thanks a lot, Sinead. So that brings us to the end of another episode, Sean. I guess it's time for goodbye. Yeah, there, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Uh, not that I don't enjoy them all, but uh, bye, Lindsay. I guess I'll see you uh, next one. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. As your commute is coming to an end, here are some ideas you can use when next teaching your students about the schwa. Dictation is an activity that helps highlight the schwa in context to the students. Before class, prepare some sentences for the class. These could be made up or ones from your course material. In class, dictate your sentences at your normal speaking speed. Tell students to write what they hear, even if they don't hear everything. Dictate the sentences, then ask the students to compare together before asking them for the sentences, which you then write on the board. Once the students have given you the correct sentences, ask them to work together to identify which parts are stressed and which parts use the schwa. A variation of this is to dictate the sentences, but rather than getting the students to write what they hear, they're encouraged to count how many words they hear. You can find the instructions for these activities at our website.
www.tefelcanute.com. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tefelcommute.com. 